Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Anyway, it's Tuesday, and you know what that means. That means we're going to be talking to our favorite person on Capitol Hill, definitely, uh, Justin Brown from Hillvets. Justin, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Jake. Oh, we're glad. Always glad to have you on. Now, I like your music. You I, like my music? I like your music. Well, thank you. I, someone appreciates good music. Somebody does. That's awesome. I'm sure that's true out there with your listeners as well. I'm sure they appreciate it. Yeah. Well, just a little something. Again, it's the morning. I want to get you jazzed up and motivated. So some other than the, the soft, poppy stuff you normally hear, you know, just something. Anyway, uh, as I understand it, not a lot is going to be going on on Capitol Hill in Congress this week. Is that true? Yeah. So uh, Capitol Hill, uh, your your house, uh, your the House, the 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 Senate, both out of session this week, which means at least on the legislative front, not a lot going on. Uh, you've got your members uh, of Congress as well as your senators likely back home in the district. So you'll see a lot of meetings with them uh, back home over this holiday uh, weekend. And uh, so look for them. If you're uh, at home wondering what your member of Congress is up to, they're probably uh, at home in the area somewhere doing something, uh, shaking, uh, I shouldn't say shaking babies, right? That's not a no, good no, 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 no. <laughs> shaking hands and uh, kissing babies. That's yeah. what I was looking Please for. Please ignore so. the previous comment. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you think that's a good thing? I mean, I mean, it's on the one hand, I think it's good that they get to meet their constituents and get a better idea of what they want. But to be out for an entire week in the middle of session, do you think that's a good thing, bad thing? Uh, so it's it's actually a pretty common thing. So you end up with some pretty big areas of or breaks where members of Congress go home and and focus on you know outreach talking to their constituents uh, the idea here being that you know there should be some connection between members of Congress and their local folks not just they disappear to Washington and never come home so uh, this gives them the opportunity to go hear some of those concerns uh, hear how the general public feels about, you know, whatever issue it is that that is, uh, you know, a challenge up here for them or a challenge for them locally. And, uh, you know, so probably about once every two months, you end up with about a week long break, usually over some federal holiday. Uh, and then you end up with some pretty big blocks of recess time, uh, both uh, in August, there's a big break. And historically, that was because Washington, D.C. in August is just horrible. <laughs> uh, you know, and so back in the day when AC didn't exist, uh, you know, it was just a really, you know, tough place. And, you know, the various members split town and went to their home states. It's uh, well, all good unless you're from like Georgia or something. Yeah, it gets, <laughs> gets hotter, right? Yeah. So, uh, and then you end up with some big blocks of time around the Christmas area. And then leading into elections, right? I mean, right. members of Congress want to get home and and, and start campaigning. And, and uh, the reality is, is you're just not doing a very good job campaigning if you're in Washington, D.C. So 
you know, th- there are goods and bad with that, of course. Uh, you know, and obviously with a two-year election cycle, the members of Congress are just always on the campaign trail. And so for them, that time at home is, is pretty important. Okay, do you, uh, just a kind of random question over something you said, do you think that's a, a, a bad thing, the fact that they're, like you said, pretty much constantly campaigning? I mean, does that let them more hear what their constituents want, or does it sort of hamper their ability to help? Yeah, I, I, personally, I think it's, it's, it's something I, I wish we would take a hard look at. I think uh, members of Congress running for office every two years in the constant campaign really makes it difficult for them to focus on the issues and come up with solid policy proposals, uh, you know, and they're just constantly stuck in the news cycle and what is the news cycle st- saying and uh, fundraising becomes a huge component of what they do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and really the, the takeaway is they end up spending more time fundraising than doing anything else, certainly than they do uh, researching, reading, uh, coming to positive policy outcomes. I, I, I think it's a huge issue that our country faces. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. I do think that, uh, I mean, the midterm elections and every two years has become sort of this, you know, cyclical issue that just keeps coming back around. That, yep. like, like you said, they can't focus on co- coherence policy because they're constantly campaigning. But that's, you know, that's an issue for another time. Sure. Now, you said not focusing on issues. Now, there's a big issue going on with VA Secretary David Shokin. And we all we talked about it earlier on the show about his uh, quote-unquote improper travel and getting tickets to Wimbledon and then claiming someone hacked his emails and th- all this other stuff. And But you were telling me earlier that there is a bigger issue that might be overshadowed. Is that true? Yeah, so uh, it, can you... Can you cue the Game of Thrones music right now? <laughs> I would sing it, but I've never watched that show. Because uh, there was a there was a very uh, big piece that broke uh, uh, just in the last p- few days. Uh, one of the biggest or longest pieces I've seen, at least, with uh, regards to the leadership situation within VA, the White House, and how it's playing with Congress. And right now you have... Uh, a lot of infighting going on between the secretary and senior VA advisors. Uh, and it all really boils down to, you know, this notion of privatization of the VA. Uh, so right now you have a, a according to the article in Politico, uh, you, you know, you, you're kind of getting, you're kind of getting this, these numerous camps, if you will, within the VA, um, the secretary uh, being in one camp uh, and, and then folks, uh, who are who are I'd say tight with a group called Concerned Veterans of America CVA, which is funded by the Koch brothers, um, who are in one camp and, and want this notion of full privatization of VA. Essentially, a veteran can go to uh, the idea is that a veteran can go to any doctor, hospital, etc. that they want to without consulting with the VA. Um, None of the major veteran service organizations support this, uh, which is making any legislative changes very untenable. Uh, so there was a, a vote for massive uh, legislative health care change that would essentially allow a huge increase in veterans having choice in the community so long as the VA basically signed off on it, said, hey, we can't provide this health care, you know, therefore you know, go get it in the community. I mean, that, that was the crux of the argument. 
uh, these folks from, from Concerned Veterans of America want more than that. They don't want that decision to ever go through the VA, if you will. And and the end result is, is quite frankly, to some degree, would probably be a dismantling of the, the VA that we, we know today. Right. And uh, we know that, you know, I don't like to play politics, but we know what side of the we know what side of the spectrum the Koch brothers lay on. But uh, that was a, a really big issue back even when we first started in January, in uh, May, and June was that the Choice Program that was supposed to be this big pilot program of you can sign up to go because I can only speak from my experience. Like I see a doctor, but my doctor is not in the VA system, but I was recommended there by the VA. The VA is paying for it, so. But the choice program was supposed to be a lot more, a lot bigger scope than that. Now, do you know, has the choice program been working or is it not enough according to most VSOs? What do you think? What's your stance on it? So I think the majority of large VSOs, say AMVETS, the American Legion, uh, the VFW, have come out pretty clearly in that they do not support the privatization of VA. Uh, They believe that when veterans receive health care at the VA, uh, they like the health care they receive, and, and survey after survey has, has shown that. Um, so the, the vast majority of veterans who are receiving health care at the VA like the health care they are receiving. Um, the challenge is, is you know, they're, they're, I think the real answer lies in the middle, which is, you know, how do we utilize private VA or private VA, private uh, private health care in those situations where VA cannot provide the health care in a timely manner. And I, I think that's the solution that the, the majority of the large veteran service organizations are trying to get at. Um, whereas on the other side of this coin, there's a real fundamental political view, which is, you know, that, 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 that essentially there should be no form of government health care. Um, the challenge with that in the veteran space is that we know that, well, I should say, we don't know how we're going to pay for that. If we just privatized all VA healthcare today, our costs would be, you know, probably twice what they are. I mean, right now we're looking at a, a near two hundred billion dollar budget. Wow. Um, which we'll talk about, you know, a little bit later. But, you know, where do you come up with the funding to provide all of this quote unquote private healthcare? You know, at the same standard of healthcare. You know, frankly, why are we completely gumming up the system when the veterans that we ask who are using the health care pretty happy with it? Yeah. I mean, the, the choice program was only supposed to be people that can't either they live like two hours, I think it was, from a VA center or there's uh, the, their local VA center can't provide whatever specific function they need. And uh, going back to something that you just said, um, I completely lost my mind there. <laughs> No worries, second. no worries. But uh, I was trying to think of something what you said. But anyway, uh, we'll move on. So uh, what is it? Do you think that this is not going to get enough attention because of the, the the secretary scandal issue? Yeah, so absolutely. So the, the, the travel uh, challenge, I think, is it, it, it's, I'm not sure if it's taking attention away from it yet. I, I think it's actually probably piling on. And, and, and the pile on has become uh, that there are these different factions, right? There, right. there, there are folks who, who are very pro-choice, uh, don't want the government to have you know, any, 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 any stake in this you know, veteran healthcare game. 
Um, and I think they're using it as leverage uh, to essentially try to push out the, the Shulkinites, if you will. You know, we're, <laughs> we're going to break down the camps. And, and part of that would be, you know, the, the, at least in the, the Politico art, article, they're really arguing that, you know, concerned veterans of America and then uh, one of the senior advisors at VA, uh, Jake Leinenkugel uh, of the Leinenkugel beer family. Uh, is 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 really on the uh, on the pro choice posse, if you will. So again, very games of games of thronish, if right. you will. Um, you know, I think <laughs> very, over here, very medieval and feudal. Yeah. So over here, you have the secretary who's you know being bolstered by the the veteran service organizations who you know uh, who you know and the secretary's kind of getting hammered because he's supporting you know what the veterans the big veteran groups want as well as seemingly the majority of senators uh, on the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee want. Um, and then on this side, you have, you know, Jake Leinenkugel, Concerned Veterans of America, and more of, you know, the, the White House Trump administration uh, pushing for this privatization of, of VA. And so I think that camp is, is trying to utilize this uh, travel debacle, and I would call it a debacle. I think at minimum it was a mistake, um, you know, and certainly – resulted in the the former chief of staff uh exiting stage left you know they i guess they called it a retirement well you know yeah this (laughs) this in the same way that we're going to retire that sergeant major that got a dui you know you're just going to let him quietly go away right so you know certainly uh i think a clear instance of probably not making the right choice right right um and and not doing the right thing so you know I, i i think the one camp is is certainly trying to use that as leverage, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's a very powerful camp. I mean, concerned veterans of America. You know, I've heard numbers of up to four hundred million dollars they're going to spend on this effort. Wow! Uh, you know, and they're backed by a guy who's you know uh, the number two donor to Senator Moran, who's the main guy pushing for this on Capitol Hill. This you know notion of choice for veterans. So you can cer- certainly follow the, the you can follow the money you can you know certainly see where the camps are, um, but it is going to be interesting to see how the veteran service organizations uh, rally uh, or attempt to rally to you know maintain the secretary in that position. Uh, they played a huge role in him getting this position in the first place because uh, there was a lot of consternation with regards to uh, who this administration would pick. Uh, to fill that role for this very reason, that there was huge concern that there would be an attempt to completely privatize the VA system, which veterans like, and the veterans who use it like the healthcare they're receiving. So it's very, very interesting to watch. And that's that's going to be this week for sure. Right. And, uh, well, not much going to get done because they're not here this week. But anyway. Yeah, not, not legislatively, but right. that's, that's, that, that's not going to stop the administration from, from you know, moving and, and, you know, this infighting to continue, you know, kicking the can down the road. Um, you know, and, and to add to that, uh, you know, because of the resignation from the chief of staff, uh, you know, there is a new incoming chief of staff, uh, Peter, Peter O'Rourke. Uh, who was um, one of the main guys leading up their new shops uh, for accountability. Now, and if you remember uh, from our previous conversations, Congress passed some, some, you know, what people would call pretty landmark legislation with regards to VA accountability, really made it easier for the VA to fire uh, non-performing employees. Uh, and that, that is uh, the guy who is leading that shop, 
uh, Peter O'Rourke is now coming in to be the permanent chief of staff. And I, from what I have read, I understand that he'll be leading both. Uh, he'll he'll essentially he's dual hatting here. He's not he's not getting rid of one role to move into the another role. He's he's going to still be the the main guy overseeing the accountability office, which is essentially trying to you know quote unquote purge the bad people at VA. Um, and then he will, he will also be the, the, the VA chief of staff, you know, so if I had to put him in a camp, you know, I, I wouldn't call him a Shulkinite. I would, you know, I think he would be in there with the, the, the lining Kugel or CVA camp. Um, you know, the folks who are, you know, again, looking to try to privatize VA in some, some shape, form or fashion. So, you know, if, 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 if I can take any way, anything away from that, it is that, you know, the new people that are coming in, uh, the people that they're surrounding the secretary with seem to all be in that camp of pushing towards, you know, more veteran choice, privatization of VA, uh, more so than kind of the balanced or, you know, what the veteran service organizations are calling for, which is, uh, you know, frankly, a, fa- a what I think is a, a pretty fair middle ground, but VA is still the, per, the, the office that is the ultimate decision maker in terms of is that care received at VA or in the community? Yeah, I understand that. And I mean, I'm, I'm not one of those, I'm not one of these people that's all like, I don't trust the government at all, but uh, I understand people wanting to privatize and that, you know, but at the same time, it's like, if you privatize, there's no control over the quality of doctors and as we, as you said before, and we've said often on the show, the care at the VA is often quite good. It's the problem of getting to the care that's the issue. Now, what I want to know is, do, is there any indication of who, if Secretary Shulkin was ousted, is there any indication of who might take over? Would it be this O'Rourke guy, or would it, do we know? Is there any any clue? Can you rub your crystal ball and find <laughs> out who it would be? I, I think that's an excellent question, uh, and and. You know, I don't want to speculate too far down that, that line <laughs> right, of thinking. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a call from you know somebody uh, pretty pretty upset with me. But um, you know, I think there were a number of names that were being thrown around in the beginning. Uh, a lot of those folks fell into this. Uh, you know, the, the the former executive director of uh, Concerned Veterans of America was interviewed for the position. Um, then he went on to be a Fox correspondent or something to that effect. Uh, you know, you also have the, the former uh, chairman of the House Veterans Affairs Committee, Jeff Miller, who was really one of the lead legisla- legislators going down this road of, of you know, really beating on the VA, was one of the main guys that pushed for this accountability uh, function at VA, which is now being head- headed up by the new uh, chief of staff at the VA. So, you know, certainly the the people who were previously interviewed, uh, you know, are a possibility. Uh, but you know, at this juncture, I think uh, you know I'm certainly hopeful that you know, despite these travel situations, which I think you know, frankly, almost it seems like almost every secretary of the administration has run into this issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I, I I'm hoping they've learned their lesson at this juncture. You know, like yeah, uh, like there's uh, a t- I know our own Caitlin Kenny told us there's a bar somewhere in Washington D.C. that every time someone is ousted, a secretary is ousted from the Trump administration, they offer free drinks. Right. So we're hoping that doesn't happen again. Right. 
Okay. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think one of the challenges that we're certainly seeing here, and you know, I know that the American Legion and, and some others have highlighted it, is the notion of continuity of leadership. Uh, that was one of the big benefits of bringing Dr. David Shulkin into this position in the first place. Is that he was, you know, he was the 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 deputy secretary before this, and so um, you know that that allowed him to have some sense of continuity and leadership, and to really drive at the the issues and the problems. And I think generally the the veteran community has been pretty pleased with his his progress and his take and and you know trying to chart out I think a fair middle ground in terms of moving forward in the issues and and again I think I think most of the 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 level heads at the table who aren't politicizing this issue uh, really do see the middle ground as you know VA is the driver but you know how do we utilize private sector healthcare in those instances where VA can't deliver Right, and I think that that's generally the the right answer. And uh, I think if you take that decision away from VA, it just turns into a, a very, very different thing from what it is today. And most concerning to me, and to your point, is 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 two things. One, how are we going to pay for it? We're not. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not going to be cheaper. So we're either going to spend a lot more money as a country, or we're going to ration healthcare. And those are both bad choices. Right. Um, and, and then the other, the other concern is continuity of healthcare, right? How do we know what the veteran last saw if, if you know, we push them into private sector healthcare, which is fee-for-service healthcare, right? Right. I mean, if you have, you know, a liver issue, I'm sending you to somebody that focuses on livers. If you got a skin issue, I'm going to send you to a skin doctor. None of those people are in the same building, right? right? They're not in the same building. None of them are using the same healthcare record. None of them are probably using even the same healthcare software, Right. So how is your health record going to, you know, go from person to person to person? And then who's going to be the person that oversees that from a primary health care standpoint in terms of consolidating that information and making sure you're going the right way? So, you know, let's not let's be clear here. Private sector health care in America is broken, yes. broken, 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 broken. Right. So right. it is not necessarily in any case a better situation or there are there maybe better private sector specialists on one type of issue, perhaps. But at the end of the day, veterans who are receiving VA healthcare are happy with the healthcare they receive. They want more of it. We've got to figure out a way to, to deliver more of it. And then when we can't deliver it, then we should be turning to the private sector to deliver that healthcare. Well, you're right. And going to, to the thing, what you said, we've had enough troubles trying to get the DOD and the VA to communicate with healthcare records. Now we want to get the private sector involved and it's, it'd be a big to do. Uh, we don't have much time left, but I want to talk about the last week's hearing on the budget. What, did any major things come out of that? Uh, yeah. So uh, again, you know, big VA budget proposal. Uh, VA was one of the larger proportions larger proportionate increases in terms of, you know, their spending. I think some of the, again, some of the concerns came along this, this, this issue, right? Which is choice versus VA. Uh, we had ranking member, the, the Democrat from Minnesota running for governor, Tim Walls, who was concerned that uh, there were huge increases in terms of funding to community care, which again is privatized VA healthcare, or, you know, pushing money into the private sector um, versus increasing uh, similar increases in the the actual VA healthcare system, where uh, you know a lot of people believe that we get a better return on value if we invest that money in the VA, and 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 the majority of the veteran service organizations have also asked for this. They said, you know, hey, we're all about increasing 
funding to the community and to private healthcare, but we want to see a proportionate amount of money going into the VA to, to pop, prop that up, if you will. Um, mental health care was, of course, brought up. You know, I think it's, it's frustrating to see um, you know, legislators continue to bang their heads on their, you know, on their desks, if you will, with this mental health care issue. Uh, and, and, and really some of the only issues that seem to be out there in terms of proposals is increasing the number of practitioners. Maybe it's time we start looking at you know, some other ways of doing business. And Boulder Crest, I know you guys had them in here. I think that they're doing some great work. Okay, Justin Brown from the Hill Vets, thank you so much for appearing on the show. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.